All right, let's get another mini morning sports desk started. This is the mini morning sports desk for Tuesday, August 9th. All right, well, this is normally the part where I turn over and I say, how you doing, Corey? And he says, yeah, I'm fine. And I say, go, it's a taco Tuesday or, or something like that. And then we spend about five minutes talking about tacos, but not today because uh, Corey's still out. But we have some stuff to talk about as I, I just want a couple things to kind of check off the box for our morning sports desk crowd. Uh, one, we'll start this off in local baseball. Uh, mention this a little bit yesterday but now just going to take some time to uh to talk about the region 14c amateur baseball tournament as the playoffs after their first couple days of action now there's just a handful of teams that are remaining it is the new york mills millers who have punched their ticket into the state tournament but also into the 14c championship so they are set to play in that game, over in the elimination bracket, it's Purim and Deer Creek. They're going to face off against each other on Friday in Deer Creek at 7.30 p.m. And the winner of that game will play on Saturday in uh, Purim at 1 p.m. against Bluffton. The winner of that game goes on to the state tournament and also plays New York Mills in the 14C championship game. That's a double elimination game. New York Mills only has to win once. Whichever team goes to play them would have to win twice. And that matters for seeding in the state tournament, bragging rights, all that, all that fun stuff. But really, I mean, for those of you who know town ball, it's really awesome. It's really fun to get to watch, especially when these playoffs get going. But if you're somebody who doesn't really watch it, you just kind of always heard about it from afar. It is a really Really awesome thing to get to watch, to get to go see. You get to see some really good baseball come together. A lot of different age groups of, of, uh, kids as young as high schoolers all the way up to guys in their thirties. It's a great, it's a great tournament. A lot of fun stuff going on with town ball. And by the way, some pretty good teams still coming on teams with pedigree like New York Mills, Bluffton, Perm, Deer Creek, all that kind of stuff. A lot of fun baseball still going on this weekend. Again, really wish Corey was here because he'd talk about how much he loves Town Ball. He's from down in Sibley East and all that, all that good stuff. But Town Ball is really fun. This area really loves local baseball and it's really fun to see, especially in the summertime. Everybody kind of come together and get to enjoy that. So Deer Creek and Parham are where those games are this weekend. Should be a lot of fun for those who are coming down or over or up or wherever to attend. All right. So moving on to some major league baseball stuff now. Uh, the Seattle Mariners got their newest member of the team, and it's a dog. Yeah, so uh, on Saturday, uh, the baseball team announced that it welcomed a four-year-old lab retriever mix to its clubhouse. Uh, the dog came from a rescue center in Kashmir, Washington. Um, so what a lot of teams do now, uh, just kind of for, for reference and clarification, uh, is a lot of teams like to adopt a rescue pet use it as kind of a PR move, and then they uh, kind of have it, they kind of give it a social media page, they post a lot of pictures of it, they get a lot of good PR for it, and then uh, they'll 
uh, let somebody adopt it. Or I know in the case of the Minnesota wild, the last couple of years, they have a, a rescue dog that they have. The wild had one last year. I think his name was Sally or something like that. And it's a training dog for, for, uh, veterans who need service animals when they're done, uh, whether it's emotional support or whatever, uh, while they're getting trained, they're gonna, they live kind of at the team facility or they're taken care of there and trained. And then that, then at the end of the season, they get sent off to a new owner who helps somebody like veterans. Uh, and I don't know quite what the Mariners are doing with this, um, or what they're gonna end up doing eventually, but basically the Mariners are also using this to put a service on dog rescue and adoption, which is really cool. I think the twins should do this, by the way, except I need to figure out what they would actually name the dog that that I want to figure out what would you name if you were uh, the twins and you got a dog what would that dog's name be it'd have to be something with the team history it'd have to be something in that same vein would you name it Kirby would you name it Puckett would you uh you know would you name it I'm trying to you know would you name it Herbie uh you know it's there, there's a lot of different names you could go with Harmon uh, I'm trying to think of some more fun ones uh, off the top of my head here, but you know what I'm saying. You got to think of kind of some out of the box, uh, you know, Mini or Paul, Mini and Paul, Mini Saint Paul. I don't know. There, there's a whole bunch of different routes you could go with that one. See if the twins got a cat, if they ever adopted a cat and had one for the team, I know exactly what you would name it. You wouldn't even think for five seconds. You'd name it. You'd go right away. You just if the twins got a cat, you have the name perfectly lined up for it. You'd, you'd call him Joe Meower, right? You'd have to. If the twins ever adopted a cat as a publicity uh, thing for the team, that cat's name would 100% have to be Joe Meower. And that's, I mean, that's just how it has to be. And even if they keep getting new ones, you just keep naming them Joe Meower. Joe Meower 1, Joe Meower 2, Joe Meower 3. You get to Joe Meower 7, which was Meower's jersey number, lucky number 7, they're in luck. So there, there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. All right, I've wasted enough time here. Uh, let's talk about the Twins. And one, I just want to say one more thing, because I think yesterday I wanted to spend a lot of time talking about Rocco reacting to uh, the, the bogus call on Sunday afternoon. And then I spent a little bit of time throughout the, uh, the morning on KWAD talking about uh, Chris Archer, what he had to say, the starting pitcher of Sunday's ball game, what uh, Gary Sanchez had to say, the catcher, what he said. And the more I look at this, I just spent a whole day yesterday writing an article on, on, on that. And so I really got a chance to look and I found this great YouTube page, which has somebody breaking down the rule. It was really great. And the more I see it and compare it with other plays in which the blocking rule was called, uh, the blocking rule, of course, that allowed the go-ahead run to score in the 10th inning because Gary Sanchez was initially tagged the runner out, and then the MLB, the umpires on the field got it right. The MLB replay center said no, he was blocking the plate, and whatever, and the rest is history. But Gary Sanchez did what he was supposed to do because uh, this is a more kind of less... This is a less kind of passion-filled one and just more technical definition. Gary Sanchez technically did the right thing because he started the play in fair territory, giving the whole part of home plate to allow Merrifield a path to the base. Now, you are allowed 
to get closer to the baseline if the throw is taking you there. But Sanchez put himself in good position. The throw took him to where he had to lift his leg up, and he lifted his left leg up to give him a lane to slide in. And then he came crashing down when he caught the ball and blocked the plate. So technically, yes, Gary Sanchez did block the plate, but it was legal when he did that because he had full possession of the ball. You are allowed to block the plate once the ball is fully in your glove. Not like when it's almost there and you're adjusting. It has to be when it's fully in your glove. Gary Sanchez did that and then threw down his leg and applied the tag with his glove. Uh, That, my friends, is how it is done. That should have been an out. That call should have stood. And the worst part is the umpires after the game were asked, like, hey, what did New York tell you? What was the league's clarification for why this ruling was made? And they didn't say a dang thing. They didn't say anything at all. Now, whether that's because they disagreed with it and they didn't want to go down with the ship and they just gave the technical definition of they told us he was safe, whatever, or they're not trying to throw their league bosses under the bus and uh, get in trouble... That could also be a thing, too, where they're like, we're not going to specify what they said. We're not going to do whatever. We're just going to give you the technical definition and move on. And that, I think, is what made Rocco Baldelli the most upset is, one, you're immediately thrown out the moment you leave the dugout. You can't challenge replay. But his whole thing was like, give me an explanation. And they just couldn't. So you have every right to be more mad when you feel like you got shafted and you can't explain yourself and the people who did can't explain why they did it the point was though with the catching thing is a similar play actually happened that same afternoon in baltimore where pittsburgh had a runner sliding into home plate was initially called out and the catcher for baltimore then upon further review they said that he blocked the plate now the reason that that one got overturned and you can make the better case for why the blocking rule was in play is because he was sitting right in front of home plate like as the base runner if the base runner was coming straight towards him he was standing right in front of him that is being in front of home plate he was blocking the path he wasn't giving him a clear lane to slide in gary sanchez started on the side of home plate kind of in front in fair, in fully fair territory, whereas the Baltimore guy was right with the runner and fa- like he was facing third base. He was right there. He was in front of home plate. So in foul, in foul and fair territory at one foot in each side. That is a, it's not perfect. You could still make a case. There wasn't a blocking rule. Uh, but you could still make the case about that. But that one is way more clear cut and the right call than Gary Sanchez's was. And the problem is, is Major League Baseball, it's been almost 48 hours now since that went down, and they have not ruled a statement. There were two plays in the same day. You think they just offer something. Even the NFL does that. They offer a statement saying, this is what we saw, this is why we did it. And then even if you don't like it, you can at least say, this is how they're going to enforce it. The problem is, Rocco's right, they never did enforce this rule really until the last week or so, couple weeks, and then all of a sudden it's just been really hard-pressed, and there's been a sudden change in direction with no clarification as to why and no explanation as to why they're doing it as well. The rule about blocking the plate is fine. It's to prevent the olden days when Torrey Hunter would lower his shoulder into the catcher for the sole act of just trying to lodge the ball loose. That's fine. I'm all about the player safety part of it, but you need to further clarify this rule, otherwise just... Just get rid of it entirely. So there you go. That's my two cents on the matter. I talked about that more than I wanted to today, 
But there you go. I'm sorry if I bored you all with catcher talk, but you know, there's some fundamentals. So if you're ever going to go coach some kids on catching, that's how you do it. All right. Um, one last thing about the twins. They're playing that two game series against the Dodgers game one. It's a late night in Los Angeles. The first pitch is at nine 10 pregame on eight 30 here on KWAD. Um, they're, the Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball. They are the best team in baseball record-wise, and they're just strong again. Their lineup can hit. Their pitching is good. There is not really a weak spot on this Dodger team. The Twins, the best-case scenario is that they're throwing Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray in this two-game series, so at least you're giving two of your best pitchers in this series. With an off day yesterday and an off day on Thursday, your bullpen pretty much, you can use Duran Lopez-Jacks Theobar and Fulmer both days and not really feel too bad about it. So there's that um, with this series. I think basically, and I talked about this with Dan earlier this morning, is as long as you can sweep this, or, or if you can split this series rather, and avoid getting swept, if you can just split, I think that's a win. I think that's a win to split this series. The Dodgers are a true World Series contender again, so even just splitting this series would help out a lot for the Twins, because then their schedule gets a little bit easier the next 10 games or so. All right, this has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, August 9th. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week. So patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.